Hi, I'm Jane, and together with Jodes, we are two proud feminists passionate about female empowerment. This podcast is our take on the real conversations, real issues, and real challenges we must stay focused on if we're going to inspire the next generation of female leaders, managers, and entrepreneurs to pick up the baton and continue the journey to equality. But be warned, there will be rants and the odd profanity, but mainly just lots of curious conversations, uplifting stories, great guests, and food for thought on the path we still have to travel. It is clear that our young girls need us to harness our gumption and to use our voices now to make the changes we all know need to happen. It's time to be a pioneer, not a passenger. To paraphrase the famous words, of a female game changer, Hollywood's iconic Bette Davis. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Okay, welcome to Jane and Jode's On One. Uh, real women, real conversations, real issues. This is episode two of podcast series one. And today we're talking about do we feel safe? Now, before we start today's session, we want to pay tribute to Laura Bates, who is one of our feminist icons. And if you've not read anything by Laura Bates, go away and read it now. Well, <laughs> after this podcast. Um, I've read everything she's ever written, and she's absolutely awesome. So we'll put the details of my books in the show notes. So first thing we're going to do is take you through some stats. So over to you, Jones. Now... You better hold on to your seats. Hold on right? to your hats. Hold on to your seats because uh, these are some quite, um, should we say, alarming, alarming statistics. Now, I don't expect to be surprised these days by many of the things I read, the stories I come across, the statistics. I always struggle with that word, statistics. Give me teeth in for that. Uh, that I come across. Um, but actually, going through these again today, still they still shake me mm. at my core um so you might find some of these a little little bit disturbing and uh i'm hoping actually that for those of you that are listening these are things that actually haven't happened to you that you've not been subjected to any of these but if you have then uh, Jane and I have made sure that there are some details in the show notes about where you can access uh, certain helplines or support if you do need any. Okay. So, yeah, here's some of the hard-hitting headlines. Um, did you know that um, once every three days, women are murdered by men? In the UK, these aren't even global figures, you know, we've worked hard to make sure that these are in context statistics for us here in the UK. So yeah, once every three days, there's a woman that's murdered by men in the UK. One in four women, so that's a quarter, 25% will experience domestic abuse. I found that quite, um, quite frightening. And actually, you know, um, 85,000 women um, will experience rape or attempted rape each year. Now, that is just off the scale. And those are the ones that report it, by the way. Yeah. So, yeah, they're the ones we know about. They're the ones seven. we know about, absolutely. Yeah. And actually, you know, on that note, I think 98.6%. Um, so what does that leave us with? 1.4? Not very much. Not very much. Mm -hmm. So 98.6% of perpetrators of those... Um, 
rapes or attempted rapes, they get off the hook, mm-hmm. even after they've been reported to the police. You know, it's criminal. You know, if you think about this, this wasn't an issue when I was young and out on the streets, but well, on the street, I don't mean on the streets, but you know, out, out <laughs> the weekend. Tell me something else. Then? Well, you know, <laughs> uh, but when I was out kind of partying hard, mm-hmm. let's say at the weekends, sometimes in the week as well. But uh, one in 10 drinks are spiked. One in 10. And actually, I think we were talking earlier, weren't we, is that these people have gotten wise to the, you know, how girls keep their drinks safe. Mm-hmm. You know, no longer do you have it in a glass, you have it in a bottle, you keep your finger over yeah. the top, you take it yeah. everywhere with you, yeah. wherever you go. You know, we're talking about people getting injected in the yeah. arms now with date rape drugs. So how on earth are you supposed to protect yourself against yeah. some of that? Um, you know, one in four women um, are raped or sexually assaulted on a night out across their lifetime. 25% have had some form of sexual assault really as a bare out, minimum. We? We're not really going to be going out eventually, well, are we? I, no, and that's the stuff that's we're going the... to end up talking about, isn't it? Mm. Um, and, and actually, let's take that into schools. Now, this is where it gets really scary. You know, one in three girls are sexually assaulted in in school, on school premises, Every day, every day, um, and even scarier than that, in the UK, you know, there is a girl, one girl, that will be raped on school premises. Every well, that, that, that for me just is... It's heartbreaking, it, that's, isn't it? That's the massive big it's line. It's heartbreaking in our lifetime. Yeah. You know, uh, this, one's quite, the, the, this one's quite prevalent for, you know, I'm a mum to three teenage girls. I've had uh, many a time where they've got in the, the car and shared stories with me on this one. You know, 90% of schoolgirls are being sent unsolicited dick pics, mm. excuse my mm. language, um, regularly, mm. you know. And, and, we, and they I are have stories not attractive. Of, no. They are not attractive. <laughs> but we have them, that happens to my girls in our house. Um, and even then when you take that to the workplace, of women have experienced sexual harassment in the workplace. 77% have had some kind of verbal harassment. And 51% have been touched without permission. You know, that's crackers, isn't it? Are we there yet? Mm. I don't think so. So, you know, I don't know about you, but um, that's one hell of a list. And they are some scary significant and alarming you know, figures girls, when you see those over and over again you become a little bit um numb to them because you keep seeing them and then they go up yeah and then something else gets added to the list and it's like we're not we're just going in reverse here you know that there's there's no real deterrent to any of this no. um, and what we're really good at is blaming the women yeah all of these things happen and we blame the women. So we say about women on a night out, well, you know, you shouldn't really be getting drunk. Um, you know, I mean, look at what you wear. Your skirt's I mean, a, bit short. It's a bit short. You're at, yeah, it? you're asking for um, it. You know, I mean, you shouldn't be getting in a cab on your own. Yeah. You shouldn't be doing that. I mean, that, that's a bit dangerous, isn't it? Or then we blame women for staying with abusive partners because they've got nowhere to run to because we've closed all the bloody refuges and and there's no support for them. And so they stay because they've got kids. And also a lot of the stats show us that when they do run, that's when they that's when their partner comes and kills them. Yeah. So it's safer to stay in that abusive relationship than it is to leave it for fear of being murdered. And so we blame the women. We're very, very quick to blame. And. 
And we then have gone even further than that and normalized this behavior. Because like when I say that, sometimes I'm a bit numb to these stats. I have to keep kind of slapping myself on the side of the head and go, these are real. Well, and actually, it was only when, uh, you know, we were both reading this current book of Laura Bates's, weren't we, at the same time. I think we read it in about 36 hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, And um, the one thing it made me wake up to was the fact that that was normalised behaviour for me as a teenager Mm. growing up. Mm. You know, some of those things happen to me regularly, Mm. not the big scary ones. And, you know, sometimes I think, oh, aren't I lucky? I'm a lucky girl that I never got raped. Mm. I shouldn't Mm. have to feel lucky because it didn't go quite that far to me. But, um, you know, I'd be touched up. I'd be groped. I'd I'd be catcalled. I'd have things shouted at me. I'd be followed. Yeah. You know, many a time I would be scared. Yeah and feel extremely vulnerable about the position that I found myself mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And it did just feel normal. Yeah, and even absolutely. The at things 40... that we normalise is amazing, yeah. isn't it? It took me till I was 43, though, to, to realise. When you read it in, in a more objective way, yeah. you were going, yeah, tick, tick, tick. And I think that, you know, there's an awful lot out in the press at the moment around this stuff, isn't there, since Sarah Everard and so on. But we just seem to be talking about it more and more and more. There was a documentary that we both watched on, um, I think it was Channel 4, about yeah. the, the woman that went out um, into the city of Liverpool in the nighttime economy and London and, and what happened to her. Um, and so there's lots more be- people talking about it and proving that it's happening. We've got to prove that it's happening because yeah. nobody can believe the stats. Yeah. Um, so, so. When you mentioned rape before, I just wanted to reiterate that because, again, that stat's very scary because you think, well, hang on a minute, that's 98.7, actually, I get away with it. Uh, Yeah. So uh, the 95% of rapes that are reported, and be aware that thousands of rapes are not reported for for some of these reasons yeah. okay so 95% of rapes that are reported only 20% of them are deemed um suitable to take further into terms of prosecution on the basis that the victim would come across well in court so you've now got to be astute at presenting so your case you've in court you've got to have a good phone history because if there's anything on your phone history that shows that you you know you might look like a bit of a girl or anything like that it's like oh you're not a particularly good Good um, candidate, candidate you know, so anything like that. So, you, you know, you that to go 20% get to court. Of those 20%, um, 7% of them get in front of a jury. And of those 7%, 1% get convicted. Now, if the rate of conviction for, for rape is around 1%, in effect, we've decriminalised rape. Yeah. And why would you bother reporting it? Yeah. And that's what we've done. And so we've had so much come out recently about what happened in the Met and, and what's happening in our police forces. And we don't even trust the police because the police are the perpetrators. Uh, so, you know, we're not going to go to the police and say that because we won't be believed. Yeah. And the process we'll have to go through of reliving that for two years. The humiliation. The humiliation of that, the shame of yeah. that. And then to actually get to the point where actually we don't believe you anyway. And we're not going to convict him because he's got a good job and he'll lose his job if he gets convicted. And it's not really fair on him. And we can't really tell whether you did it or not because it's your word against his. And it's an absolute joke. Yeah. It's an absolute Total joke. joke. So I wanted to pick up the very lovely uh, latest book that we've read, Laura Bates, um, Fix the Women, Not. Fix the System, Not the Women. 
And um, she comes out with a list here of the things that women do to keep safe on a daily basis. Yeah. So it's our responsibility. It's our responsibility, yeah. And these are the things that we do on a daily basis that we have normalised. And I want you to think about how many of these you actually do. Number one, carry keys between your fingers in case you need to use them as a weapon. Mm -hmm. Two, cross the street to avoid large groups of men. Three, take a longer route to avoid a badly lit or wooded area. Yeah. Four, change your commute or route to school to avoid an area which you previously have been harassed in. Next, switch to exercising indoors and give up on exercise altogether after outdoor harassment. So, you know, you don't see many girls jogging these days. Uh, record a man's voice on your answering machine to give the impression you don't live alone. Wear a fake wedding ring. Carry some kind of weapon such as a pepper spray, a knife or even an aerosol deodorant. Always let someone know where you're going. Use an app to send your tracking location to a friend or partner. Always text girlfriends to let each other know that you've got home safely. Did that the other night? Yeah. Go to the bathroom in groups. Dance in groups. Watch your drink like a hawk, cover it with your hand. Carry a whistle or a rape alarm. Check and double check that the cab you're taking is licensed. Change your clothing to avoid harassment. Wear headphones, even with no music playing, to try and fend off unwanted advances. Don't wear headphones so you'll be able to hear someone approaching you from behind. Wear flat shoes in case you need to run. Wear your hair in a ponytail so you attract less unwanted attention. Don't wear your hair in a ponytail in case it provides someone with an easy way to grab you. Don't turn your back on boys in the school corridor. Stand against the wall in the playground at break time. Great. Yeah, I think I've done, uh, I think I got up to about 14 there. Uh, 40, one of which I did only last week. Most of them, you know, I won't even walk the dog when it's gone dark. Mm. You know, mm. I, will, I, I have to wait now in the morning because we're in the middle of winter. I sit there every five minutes looking through the window, five past eight, ten past eight, quarter past eight. Mm. This is in the morning. Mm. Is it light enough Nothing. yet for me to feel safe to go out? Mm. And then in the evening, you know, I, yeah. ask, I ask my husband to walk the yeah. dog yeah. or ask him to come with me because I don't want to go on my yeah. own. I think about when I'm going into a city, it's like a military operation to work out, right, where are my meetings? Um, where is the easiest place to park? Where's the last meeting? So it's the last meeting that's important because that's where I'm walking back to the car. Yeah. How well lit is it? Can somebody walk back with me? Um, what time is it going to be when I do that? How much stuff am I carrying? Because that makes me an easier target because I'm not particularly mobile, and yeah. so I have to think about that. So, I, and it's obvious that I'm not. So, I will be quite an easy target to, to to kick over. And I'm doing all of this just to go out on my daily business. Yeah, you know. And it's got Standard. to the point where my husband will be like, "I'm going to take you to that meeting." Yeah, but what are you going to do in between? I'll find something to do. So it affects his life because he doesn't want me doing those meetings on my own and having that kind of stress. And, and the places aren't well lit. And even if the car parks are well lit, they're not manned. So there's nobody in that car park. No. So so are you going to get attacked in the bright light? Great. Because there's nobody there, you know, to, to call. So it then affects the, the, the guys that you are with who care about you because they then need to feel that they need to step up yeah. and take responsibility. Because there's so much that, that you can't do anything about. It's like great, isn't it? Yeah. I know that might sound like a bit down in the doldrums, but actually, 
you know, we want to think about how we turn these situations around because something's got to change and it's got to change soon. And I guess, you know, when we started thinking about that question, well, that naturally led us, well, first, let's talk about where it starts because we kind of need to know where it comes from and where the root of the issue is. Because there's no point in treating symptoms and putting plasters on things, which is what the government tries to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll install some more CCTV. Oh, we'll put undercover policemen in um, in, in nightclubs. Great. Well, they're, they're half of the ones that are doing it anyway. Yeah, but yeah, 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 nice move. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, licensed cab drivers. Well, actually, licensed cab drivers have been part of the problem as well. So, you know, that's yeah. not really working for us no. either, is it? Oh, and guess what? Most of these are all male. Right, okay, that's perfect. And actually, isn't it really sad and a shame for the men who are not Absolutely. like that? Because actually, Absolutely. I've got into some right ding-dongs uh, with uh, men who are really offended by this. You know, like, I'm not one of them people. Mm-hmm. But actually, this is so systemic mm-hmm. that it's hard mm-hmm. for it to be... Well, that you know, Laura Bates talks about in this, but in the book, isn't it? They're not isolated incidents. No, they're not. No, they're not. You know? And not all men are sexual predators. No, and not all men are bad. And my husband is a retired copper, and it breaks his heart. Yeah, these stories break his heart. And you know, when I come home and talk about some of these things, he gets so angry. You know, and so upset, and rightly so. Yeah, because he doesn't want to be put in that box. You know, he's not like that. You know, he's like your husband. He's a feminist. He cares about women. He cares about girls. It breaks his heart. And there are millions of men like that, you know. But, but you know, these predators are are in a minority. But they are in control a lot of this because they get away with it. And actually, when we come on to what do we do about this, Remind me because we'll come back to okay. that 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 little bit because something that else is just bit. about you know about the men who are not, who not. sexual okay. predators okay. yeah because okay. there's a job for those guys yeah, we, we you know they're great we love them but there is a job for those guys to yeah. do okay you know and there's a shout out for them I think okay. in this I hope some of them are listening yeah um so yeah where does it start well I think we traced it all the way back to. Being a toddler, the conditioning that we experience as children, you know, the whole blue versus pink, the prince versus princesses, Um, you know, for girls, we're kind of taught, we're brought up to, you know, be nice, sit quietly, do as you're told, be polite, don't make a fuss, you know, be, we talked about being pretty, isn't she pretty? Yeah. You know, I've always gone mad when anyone said that to me, yeah. girls. Oh, you're so beautiful. Can you tell us she looks smart and clever? And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How amazing she is. Yeah, not what she looks like. Mm. But we'll save that one for another day, mm. though. You know, but on the flip side, you know, boys are like, yeah, they're encouraged to be loud, to be boisterous, to be brave, to be adventurous, to be seen. Yeah. You know, it's almost like it's the complete opposite, isn't it? You know, and in that prince and princesses example... You know, the, the prince, he's there to lead. You know, he's in control. Yeah. He makes the decisions. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and princess, the girl's not allowed to say anything, no. even if she's something happens Curtsy. to her. Even if something happens to her, it's like, well, I'm not really, I don't, I'm not supposed to say anything, am I really? You know, no. like Electra's uncle's just had a bit of a grope. I'm not, I'm not really supposed to say anything, am no. I? That's just something that I have to live with because I'm pretty. Yeah. And actually, well, there was a quote in Laura's book 
that talked about, um, you know, when a, a, a cute little chubby cheeked toddler boy, you know, if he comes uh, stomping into, you know, play play school or nursery and, you know, a lot of people turn and go, oh gosh, lock up your daughters. We don't realise what we're saying. And actually it's all in the little things. You know, these cultural norms develop in the small things, mm. the discrete behaviours that most of us don't know. We just don't notice them day to day. We were brought up on them. They're just something we say. We don't realise the implications to what we're saying. All of that comes about by those little things. It's never the big things. You know, but why should we lock up the daughters? Mm. Because it's the boy who looks like he's, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's acceptable for yeah. him, isn't it? And then we talk about, you know, we talk about this term zero tolerance, don't we? That we should have zero tolerance on on abuse against women. We should have zero tolerance on violence. We should have zero tolerance on on um, you know domestic violence. But we don't really have zero tolerance on anything. Well, we don't like, based on what you said before, did no, we? Absolutely not. We don't have zero tolerance, and you know we we also don't realise that the decisions that we make have the impact on our children until it's sometimes a little bit too late. So we play out our challenges. And then when we're in our 30s and 40s, we get coaching or therapy to deal with something that happened to us when we were younger, but by which time we've already passed that DNA and that kind of blueprint of behavior onto our children. Whether Um, they're boys or girls. Absolutely, whether they're boys or girls. And then we, we see that and then we think, oh, Right. Okay. So, and then it's really hard to to rewind because we've already done it. So then our daughters end up making some of the same yeah mistakes. We wonder or, why history repeats yeah, itself. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So, um, I mean, I like you, Jodes. I've coached thousands of women, and one of the things that I've I've come across quite a lot is where women will say to me, "Oh, well, we're going to stay together for the kids," and really toxic relationship. Yeah doesn't necessarily have to be physical it can be gaslighting every day it can, you know it can be verbal emotional but we're going to stay together for the kids um we're going to wait for them to be 18 and then we're going to go our separate ways and so how old are your kids four and six okay so we've got like another six, 12 and six, six, six yeah. years of this and what message did you think that might be sending your kids and do you not think your kids know that there's something not right here. And so if you stay together on that basis, what do you teach them? Yeah. What do you teach them? So you have to be brave. You have to be bold. Yeah. And you have to say, actually, no. It's the best thing for the kids is for us to split up. Yeah. And, and develop different relationships and let them see us happy. And let, let, let them see us being treated with respect. And, you know, and being in a mutually happy relationship. It's yeah. not staying together. Um, and I think we wanted to end with a story that is quite heartbreaking, isn't it? The yeah. school story. Yeah. Quite heartbreaking. But it shows, it's a story that shows how complicit we all are um, in many of these situations and how we've normalised it and how we are kind of bystanders to things that are happening. So I heard a story um, with my Girls Out Loud hat on that happened at a school that was next to a school that we're working in. And at one of my team, her, this lad goes to that school, and all the mums were talking about something that had happened in the school in the past week, in that this young girl, 14, um, had been 
enticed to give one of the boys a blowjob in the school toilets, mm-hmm. which she did, but the boy filmed her. And then used the film to blackmail her to give all his mates blowjobs. So now she's being used as a sex toy oh my in God. school. Yeah. Okay. And rather than be absolutely appalled by this and want to report this to the school and, and, and support this girl, all the mums at the school gate were actually slating the girl. For what? Calling her a slut and, you know, easy and how stupid was she should do, to do this. Nobody was talking about the boy or the fact that he's sexually blackmailing her. Yeah. Nobody was talking about him. They were all talking about the girl, how pathetic, how this, how And these were women. These were women. Not men. They were women. These were women. And, you know, it just, that really did break my heart. It really did break my heart that we didn't see beyond that. Yeah. As women, we were, you know, for me, that girl could have been a moment away from harming herself seriously. Yeah. And we didn't even see that that's something we should be actually stepping up and doing something about. So you'll be pleased to know that we stepped up and did something about Good. it. Um, we couldn't not. Absolutely. I couldn't sleep. You know, but that's just an example of how complicit we've become in our own yeah. views. And, and I wonder whether those that group of women have even thought twice about it. Probably not. Mm. Probably not. Well, if that isn't compelling enough... That's not... We're not here yet. Yeah. To say, you know, well, what is it that we need to do and when do we need to do it? Well, obviously, the answer is now. Yes. Um, not actually, all men are sexual predators. What did you want to say? Okay, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, all men are sexual predators. Yeah. They're not all sexual They're predators. All sexual so, yeah, what is it that we need to do? Mm. Well, first and for- foremost, number one, if you observe or hear or come across anything like this, you have a duty to call it out, to report it, to take it to somebody's table, mm. you know, and get some get some support, get some action done around that. It isn't okay to be a bystander. You know, that does make you complicit. You're yeah. part of the problem. Yeah. If you stand there and say, well, it's nothing to do with me. Yeah, it's none sure. of my business. Mm. You know, that's not okay anymore to do that. We have to call it out. You know, and actually for the men out there who, you know, who are not sexual predators, who are really great guys who support us, who are also feminists, who don't want to be tarred with the same brush, you know, they also need to stand up on our behalf. Mm. You know, they need to role model even more mm. the things that other men need to do. Yeah, and boys. And boys, mm. yeah. Mm. In any way you can, not just with your own, not just with your family or your brother, but actually your circle of friends, your male colleagues. Yeah. You know, if actually, if you're at work and you're having your lunch with a group of guys and they start having one of them conversations, yes. you know, where yes. they're leching yeah. over one of the women in the office yeah. or they're saying disrespectful things about her. Yeah. Now, you might not contribute, but if you sit there quietly with your head down and eat your sandwich, that's you being complicit. Mm. So that's, you know, for those men, yeah. you, that's the we time to you. speak up. We, we, we do you. need you. We need Actually, we talked about this when we did our vagina monologues we performance. Did. You, did. Did a, you did a big... <laughs> Shout yeah, out to where are you? Where are you? Yeah. Because we need you yeah. to yeah. stand up with us. Yeah. Not just for us, but with, with us, us uh, by our side to make the difference. Mm. So, you know, I love a good march. 
I love a protest. I love a petition. But, you know, I can't help but think it's all well and good, but they don't really advance us, not not to the degree that warrants the effort that goes into yeah. them, if that makes Agreed. sense. You know, if we do a bit of Pareto principle, you know, what's the 20% of the effort that's going to give us 80% of the yeah. results? They're the other way around. That's yeah. 80% effort and it gets you 20% of your yeah. results. You know, for me, when you get the real biggest bang for your buck, you know, culture, we all sit there and we say, oh, you know, well, society needs to change. We we have to we have to do something. Culture, society. It's us. It's us. It's us. We're it. If, if not you, then who? If not now, yeah, when? We are the people. Culture changes when individual people decide to do, not talk about, to do something different. And that means speaking up you know, and stamping your feet about this and calling it out and having these things addressed and not letting them not be held accountable and, you know, for them to be um, consequences mm. for actions like this. So this episode's question for you is to think about, well, what will you do? And actually, we'd love to to know about that. We'd love you to tell us. So wherever you're listening to this, we want you to put it in the comments or drop us a note on social media or even send us an email. But we want to know what what are you, what is it that you're doing? Because actually, it'd be really easy for this type of conversation to feel quite negative, quite down, quite hard work. And we want to see the opportunity in it. Mm. We want to see the power and the value mm. of taking action. And we want to celebrate the good things that people are doing. And to do that, we need to hear about them. Yeah. So we want to know what will you do to uh, get behind this so that you're not complicit, you're not part of the problem, you're part of the solution in uh, changing a lot of these things. So I'm going to leave that one with you. Coming up next in episode three, We'll be talking about, um, do you feel valued as a woman in the workplace? So a bit of a heads up to have a think about how that question sits with you between now and our next episode airing. You have been listening to Jane and Jodes on one. Until next time, remember, sisterhood matters. Together, we are bold, brave, fierce and unstoppable.